Drive Time on 91.3. Always on the cutting edge. Yeah, 510, which is 10 minutes past 5. Welcome back to Drive Time 0829. 913-913 is the WhatsApp line. Feel free to query, comment, and or criticize. In today's uh, book review uh, slot, we chat to author Stephen Tim about his new book focusing on a South African man behind startups like Spring Leak, Spring Leak and Shopin, uh, who was exposed as a fraudster. Uh, to the tune of $40 million. This is a story of how Aaron Eyal's House of Cards came tumbling down, if I've pronounced his names correctly. Cape Town-based journalist, researcher and writer Stephen Tim has written for a number of publications on the small business sector. Between 2017 and 2020, he served as the editor of Venture Burn, a South African publication that covers Africa's uh, high-tech startup sector. Stephen Tim, Stephen Tim is author of At Any Cost. It's uh, brought to you uh, by um, Tafelberg Publishers, the South African fraudster who took the tech world for more than forty million dollars. Stephen Tim, as I trip over my teeth, welcome to the show. Yes, hi. <laughs> Right, let's I have don't a, worry, it's Friday, so you can do that. Yeah, definitely. I can throw my teeth across the desk if I really want to, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> let's have a look at the book you've just written. It's quite an extraordinary, astounding story, isn't it? About um, a young man uh, born in Israel, comes to South Africa, Durban, and ends up in uh, being arrested in the United States, and then he disappears. But it's an interesting story in between the pages, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it got even more interesting as I, you know, as I followed the story. You know, it just gripped me. And uh, you know, I, I, like everyone else, I thought, you know, there, there has to be a mistake here. The guy had to have. It just must be down to sort of admin errors or something like that. Until I eventually. You know, uh, eventually I I attended the sentencing in New York in February last year um, and got hold of the court papers and <laughs> shocking, re- re- really shocking stuff there. Um, but just amazing how he fooled everyone. Um, and I, that's kind of the that's you know when someone reads the book they're gonna they're gonna follow the story. You know, like how you know how this guy came. Uh, yeah, he was actually he was he was brought up in Durban, but he, he you know his his sort of his business uh, world environment started here in South in, in Cape Town, you know, in Woodstock, uh, yes, which is very close to our studio, yes. Yeah, yeah, out of Woodstock, Woodstock, uh, Valley, he was running um, Spring Leap there, and then uh, his you know his uh, his ambition was always to go to New York, and that's when. Uh, that's kind of when the fraud started. Although, I mean, you could have said you could say that he was. There's a there's a thin line between fraud and sort of overhype, and I think the overhyping thing where he was just using investors' money, um, and you know, nothing was. It was kept telling investors. Uh, investors kept asking, "Where's this money going? What's what's happening? Show us what's going on here." Um, you know, he was already doing that in, in, in Cape Town when he was running Springley. But, you know, he kind of took it to... Then it became a sort of fraud when he when he went to 
um, to New York. And I think, you know, just to keep up with his lifestyle and, and, and uh, you know, it costs, you know, $10 a beer, like 30 Thirty dollars a pizza. There, you you gotta <laughs> you, you you gotta make fast money. And um, I think he was also he was trying to prove to himself and uh, everyone uh, out there that that he could make it. And and hence the title at any cost. You know, he was going to make it at any cost. Um, no, yeah. he, he sure did. But I mean, what is interesting about um, your, your main character, Aaron Earl, is that. Um, Small guy, unassuming, but extremely charming. And throughout the book, like you're asking yourself, uh, when's he going to say what he's actually doing? He always seemed to be doing everything, but he never came up with anything for such a long time. And uh, it took a while before he got caught out. It's amazing the ride that he goes on. It's gobsmacking, actually. Yeah, it's also kind of a, you know, it's, it's a story about how kind of flaky the, the tech sector is. Um, you know, he fooled, like all my media colleagues, he fooled them because the media just uses a press release and they don't bother to ask questions in the in the tech sector specifically. Um, and then, uh, you know, you get the investors. You know, these are angel investors. These aren't like, you know, venture capital companies. Angel investors, it's, it's ludicrous. They just put the money in without even, you know, it's just because, oh, this guy was putting in. I mean, he said that... Uh, you know, just to quote an example here, um, he said, you know, Facebook's number six employee, uh, Nicholas Hyman, put uh, 100K in. Guys, and this was on a pitch deck and things, you know, that material that he sent, emailed out to uh, to investors or sent them via LinkedIn. So people were going, oh, Nicholas Hyman. Meanwhile, what was happening was people like Nicholas Hyman, that they just said in emails, okay, we'll look at investing, you know? And then what did, what did um, Aranda, he, he, he twisted that into going, because he'd use anything, like name dropping. Yeah. Uh, that's how you run a Ponzi scheme. You say, uh, my friend Cyril here has invested 100K. Come on, man, if he's put it in, come on, you must put it in money too. And, and it went like, it just carried on like that. And uh to distorting, you know, everything like how many uh, uh, is the network of um, Springleap was a, um, essentially a, a um, user, uh, like a, it was a, a crowd sourcing network. So instead of going to advertisers, an advertising agency and working directly with them, you would like save costs by, you know, going to almost like a Facebook and asking for these um, the designers or, or like market experts and they would pitch for the work and you'd get a good uh, you get a you get a cut rate there um, except uh, he got someone to uh, from Paul Carrier too it's quite funny uh, he got this guy to web scrape um, the names of 180,000 uh, profiles or Fiverr yeah, Fiverr yeah, yeah, like sorry Stephen just to just just to tell our listeners who are maybe not familiar with some of the terms, what is a web scrape? It's a wonderful word, but what happens if I go and I do well, that? Yeah, it's basically like harvesting all the. You just go and you you, you write like it's not like it's like copy and paste. Uh-huh. Think about it like that. You go and yeah. copy and paste the document, except here's a guy writing code so that you can actually populate a database or a template with all this stuff. I mean. That's all cool if you tell someone, hey, by the way, uh, 2,000 of these names came from us, but the other 
178,000 or from Fiverr. But not to tell people that. That's, that's fraud. Yes. You know, yes. You, because now what you're doing is you're going out to these, um, these angel investor suckers and saying, hey, come on, 180,000. And even his employees, um, you know, there was one guy there who was, mani- who was his managing director, and he was an American in, in South Africa. And he was saying, like, no, we can't, this 180,000, uh, uh, it, 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 it's untrue. We can't use the figure. And, and the rand said, no, we must use it. Um, so <laughs> it's, uh, it just shows, you know, this story. And then he went on to, to uh, uh, you know, the last example, we raised $42.5 million through a, uh initial coin offering, you know. Um, that's like an IPO, but on the blockchain, you know. So you raise this, uh, or, or related to the blockchain. So you raise all this money, and he says he's going to, he was going to develop this uh, blockchain application, uh, so like a a mobile application, but linked to the blockchain. Very complicated type of thing, but it would basically help retailers. So like when you went into a store, um, and you wanted to buy. Uh, Clothing or whatever it was. Yeah, clothing was the first thing he was aiming at. Um, the app would, like, the retailer could see, oh, you like Hawaiian shirts and you like uh, these kind of tackies. And then the, the retailer, through the app, would, like, show you all that stuff. And um, this was a wonderful thing because retail was, like, going da- is going down in, in the world because Amazon is eating their lunch. So the, the this um, this app, uh, Shopping, which he actually... He actually uh, was an investor in a company called Paso, which he took over from another guy who was also very, uh, well, suspected of, um, like, actually stealing company funds. He, the guy stepped down, and he took over this company and then bolted it on the blockchain um, because blockchain is, this is, sounds cool. And you can raise millions of, of uh, dollars because... The cryptocurrency uh, market, the price of Bitcoin, like right now, um, back then it was going crazy. So, you know, he he, I, I suppose half of that was the, he wanted to raise a ton of money. So uh, more than oh, this thing can work with the blockchain, and um, in fact, some of the blockchain elements didn't even work properly. So they weren't even using the blockchain. Yes, um, that's right. I mean, he wasn't even delivering anything at one stage. Well, he never. <laughs> you know, that's a, so. There's a, there's a question about whether whether there were other people in on it or not. You know, and um, no one was charged in either of his, you know, Shopping or Springlead. But you do wonder. There are these characters that I mentioned. You wonder, like. How can these kind of things go on and then not be other people, especially with the with the the the, the last company, Shopping, that raised forty two and a half million dollars, and essentially the fraud there was based on these two pilot projects that um, they they that Iran claimed that um, Shopping had carried out with uh, two re- retailers, Big Boss and Beyond, and Emilio um, um and it came out that they never did this. You know, they never these 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 projects never were done. And then it also came out that these pilot projects, basically, that guy that that left the company, Paso, because investors pushed him out because they said he he, he said he was misappropriating funds or stealing funds. And that guy had carried out these pilots, but 
it was never clear, like, what, what did he make up all the data, or did he carry out these pilots, but in a, in a very, in some kind of a way that wasn't a proper pilot or something like that, um, or he obtained the data through means that were not uh, proper or something. But, you know, what is clear is that the guy did not, it's fraud when you don't explain these things properly. So people are putting in mass loads of money. There were 4,000 investors in Chopin uh-huh. um, from all around the world, most, you know. But uh, most of them pretty well of people, uh, middle class kind of people. But, you know, that, and then he kept on saying there's a product being developed, there's a product being developed, and we didn't see anything. So, uh, and then he also, he said, oh, so-and-so is an advisor of mine. Um, you know, like Vinny Lingham. He, um, I don't know if the name rings a bell, maybe it will to some of the, the listeners, but Vinny Lingham is a, is a big shot um, tech entrepreneur in, in probably the biggest name in South Africa's uh, tech ecosystem, but he's in, um, he's in the U.S. He's in, uh, uh, where is it, like, he was in Silicon Valley, now he's uh, moved down to, uh, yeah, he's on the West Coast there somewhere. But, uh, yeah, at one time, Iran was saying that he's an advisor, and, in fact, what had actually happened was he was an advisor at PASA, and then he asked to please remove my name from the pitch deck material, and his name wasn't taken off. And then Vinny showed me this conversation, you know. So these kind of intricate details you kind of, like, start getting into when you're writing the story. And, and um you know, there's the there's the the, the messenger WhatsApp, uh, uh, Facebook messenger conversation between the two, and uh, Iran is a screenshot of it provided to me. I see it. There's Iran saying, "No problem, I'll, I'll remove your name from the pitch deck." Next thing, he's at his uh, fancy big like uh, blockchain event, and he's going, "Yeah, yeah." I've, um, and, and you see at the back, he, he's got his presentation going, and you see this, the the mug shots of all the different investors and advisors and stuff. And there's Vinnie Lingham. Now, Vinnie Lingham was a big name then. It still is in in the U.S. because he raised like something like $33 million for his blockchain startup, Civic. So obviously having his name there, people go, oh, yeah, big guy. Right. Big guy. Okay, cool. We'll put some money in. So that, that really, you know, just to cut to the meat here, but um, the tech sector is based on a lot of hot air. And... That is why I wrote this book. I, I, you know, being the editor of VentureVern, I got so many press releases. I interviewed so many people. And, you know, when you pick up the phone uh, and you speak to, to these entrepreneurs, now these are a lot of, a lot of them are, are startup. Uh, they're, they're much smaller. But they're overhyped. They're, you know, what you, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. The, everything comes down to size once you speak to them and you realize, oh, um, yeah, it's not such a big thing as they were making out in their press release. And then you write your story, and then the calls come in from these guys. They're mostly men. Pull the story. Pull it, you know? And you're like, because the whole thing is these guys are trying to raise uh, a tech startup is a little bit different. It's a kind of small business, but a little bit different. It's based on not turnover sales necessarily. It's based on the value of the company and how do you get how do you pump up the value it's raising money from these investor guys so even if you raised a hundred million dollars doesn't mean your, your company could be losing money arm over leg yeah <laughs> but but these investors don't care because what they want to do is they want to sell that 
their share, whether it's 10% or 5 or 20 or 30 they want to sell that to someone else, like a big private equity company that is probably going to then find out, oh, this, this is all smoke and mirrors, but only after the whole thing. And then these guys are cough, they're like laughing their way to the Cayman Islands or whatever. So it's based on a lot of hype because you're dealing with technology that's often not, um, it takes a long time to be adopted or people, you know, it's, it's not like a solid product. Um, and uh, also the, the nature of being in the technology sector is you can kind of hide behind, you don't have a, you're working from, like uh, your home or garage or, or small offices, you, you you don't you're not manning the phone or everything's virtual, you know. Like you can, and you can use these fancy terms uh, that that people you know baffle people, and they'll think, wow, they they don't want to <laughs> uh, ask you what radiant means. So it's, it sounds amazing. So this hot air, it, it just really annoys you after a while and and that is what happened really in, in these this 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 book here is an example really of after you read that you'll be like this happens more in often in the tech sector than you believe it's just that this guy uh i mean if he if he just stayed here in, in south africa in cape town or whatever he never he he could have pulled up a fraud here and never got um, busted it's just that when he went to america those guys, the Americans, they, when you mess up there... They took it apart, yeah. They take you apart, but the weird thing is they gave them a slap on the wrist and then, which I don't understand. Yeah, and in, in fact, that, that is something that confused me. I thought, okay, he's going to get nailed. He kinda yeah, he said he got 10 years. He slipped through it, and um, he still survives because a lot of the... Um, Money disappeared, and he was pulling stunts, it seems, at the end, you suggest, with, with blockchain. Because, I mean, if anybody listened to us, it's very difficult. You can't really hack into it. You can't really identify who is in it. I'm oversimplifying it. And he seems to have been siphoning off money while he was in court, while he was being sentenced. Well, yes, just before his conviction, um, the guy that uh, <clears throat> uh, audited his blockchain, one of the many people, but... You know, he, he showed, because I didn't even believe him, he showed me, like, spreadsheets. And he said, it's all, like, sort of Greek, you know, but once him and another guy were explaining it, they were like, can you see that? These are all, all these, like, wallets, like they, they, like e-wallets, electronic wallets, like on digital. Like, you can see the payments. Of, but they, they sent all over the place. So if you just look at it, you're like, this is a mess. But in the end, this mess goes out to, the, to these exchanges. Now that's where you get your your dollars or your yen or whatever you want, and then you can go. Uh, you know, one of the colleagues of his, one of his employees, who was right, it was there right to the end. He was about three or four of them right to the end. Um, said that he wanted to go to Bali. Uh, so one wonders, is he going to be sitting on a beach in Bali? Running, uh, I'm telling you, he's going to be running a crypto investment site. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, it, it really it's an incredible story, and um, it looks like um, Aaron Ale is probably still somewhere out there, as you say. I don't know whether he's sipping a cocktail under an umbrella in ba- Bali or whether he's um, in a in a townhouse in London. We just don't know. <laughs> no, we we. 
We don't. I mean, I sent him a WhatsApp message uh, last week. Said, ah. Iran, I'd like to send you the book. Um, can you send me a, a, a postal address or something? Uh, and I will, I will try and get hold of him because I'm really keen. I don't, you know, he represents something bad in the tech sector. I, I, I don't hate the guy, you know. He mustn't, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I hope that he doesn't see the book as a, I mean, it is quite like an undoing. When you read this, you realize, whew, this guy wasn't, there was a lot of intent going on here. But um, it's, you know, it, he's, hopefully he will, uh, I, I'm actually waiting for him to, to, to get hold of me and, and tell me what he what he thought. Maybe I did a good job, you know, like in, <laughs> in, in researching the whole thing. Because I couldn't, he, he didn't want to, he, um, he told me he couldn't get hold, he, he, could, he wouldn't, uh, uh, he didn't want to get involved with the book. I did tell him that I was writing the book because just before I went to New York, uh, I wanted to, that's really the reason is to get those court papers and then also to speak to him. Um, and he said he can't speak because of his plea agreement. Um, but, you know, he's always struck, struck me as a very polite person, um, charming. I think that's the way that most people, uh, even I saw him walk past me in, yeah, I, that's the only time I've seen him, um, mm-hmm. since 2010 or so when I actually met him for the first time and thought this is a nice, charming guy, very gentle, well-mannered. Uh, I saw him walk past the, the after he did his swab, and he left the court, the, the little room next to the court um, room, room 19, in, in, on, on the 19th floor there in Brooklyn, in the, in the court. And he, and he walked past me, and, 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 he, and he looked so weak and frail and stuff. And I, I felt sorry for the guy. I really, like, I, I was, yeah, I thought, how can this guy, this, again, I thought this guy couldn't be, this, this must all be a stitch up. <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. And he was like in he was like in chains, man. I mean, he was like in a in a jacket with a, with two marshals walking next to him, and he was like you know handcuffed to that 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 straitjacket. I mean, like I tell you, like he went back to to being held by um, immigration authorities and told hey, so he was in jail in, in an immigration facility, but. Um, yeah, it really is an amazing story. Unfortunately, Stephen, we have to leave it there. But Stephen yeah. Tim's book entitled "At Any Cost: The South African Fraudster Who Took the Tech World for More Than Forty Million Dollars." It's a fascinating story. It really is. Buy it, read it, and make up your mind. What do you think of uh, the life and times of Aaron? Isle, a fin- uh, really uh, intriguing character, to say the least. Uh, Stephen, Tim, uh, thanks for joining us and everything of the best uh, with the book. Yes, yeah, thanks. Um, hopefully we'll, there'll be a sequel, you know. Um, like I was saying, he, maybe he will get hold of me and then I'll... Maybe then it'll be a, a, a fiction book. You know, <laughs> and he tells me his side. <laughs> Look forward to that one. Stephen, Tim, thanks for chatting. Thanks. Drive time on 91.3. Always on the cutting edge.